Uh, how are you guys doing today? This is Harvey Jackson, Great Commission Evangelist and Ministry. And we just finished our 14-day prayer challenge for day eight today. And today, now is our time for our Discovery Bible Study. So if you missed the 14-day challenge, scroll up and watch that one. It was pretty good. And also catch the rest of them. Probably to, at, later tonight, I'm going to put on our website where you can have easy links to YouTube versions of the 14-day prayer strategy. And welcome whoever's on there on the join us. And while we're getting ready, let me go in and put our Wi-Fi on. No, not on Wi-Fi. Okay, we're having some signal issues. Spectrum's been having some issues lately. Uh, it was out earlier today. So uh, we're just going to work through those signal, signal issues. But our prayer line is we pray bcem at gmail.com. Okay, we pray gcm at gmail.com. And so if you need prayer, you can go there, click on that, go get some prayer. Also, you could go go to Great Commission. Let me type this in here. Great Commission. Evangelistic Ministry. Great Commission Evangelist and Ministry org. And what you want to do there is you could go there and you could click on prayer and fill out the prayer request form, and they'll make sure we get that prayer request. Okay? And also, our lesson for today is, and you'll see it on description. I, on description, I put it up there, Ministry Grid. So the HTTPS uh, that has Ministry Grid on there, you want to click on that. And the lesson we're doing, we don't cover the whole lesson. We only cover part of it. We just discuss the verses. So if you'd like to get the full lesson of that, I suggest you go and sign up for the ministry grid. We have some openings where you can get a, access to all the lessons we have on there that we're teaching. And you could download it on your computer or you could download it on your, uh, you know, get a paper thing so you can look at and read as we're teaching and have that available. Okay, the study. And also you can study for next week. So, and I suggest you do study for next week because if you do that, you're ready to deal with the questions we have on there. Okay, you'll be more prepared to discuss, especially if you want to type in answers and things like that. So I really suggest that you do that. So let's go on. I'm going to share this. Today we're talking about the pitfall of betrayal. The pitfall of betrayal. So, again, if you have any prayer requests, go in and uh, go to those two other two areas I put there, or you can message me on Facebook or leave a comment on the YouTube. And I'll get those messages and I will pray for you. Okay? So we'll be doing that. So let's bow our heads and pray. Okay, I just want to thank you for letting us be here today. I just praise your holy name. I pray to just touch every single person that's listening now and on the play and that you all are in these. Help us to focus on you and on your word. And listen to your voice, listen to your direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, before I go further, I still want to talk about that 14-day prayer challenge. Every day at 5 o'clock, we're on a 14-day prayer challenge. We ask you to join us in prayer. And 
We're going to be prayer walking. If not, uh, this Sunday, we'll have a day this week or next. We might have to extend till next Saturday to go out and do some prayer walking. I mean, the next Sunday, because I have a commitment this week uh, when I was planning this. But we're going to go out and do the prayer walk, okay? And so we want to invite you guys to come and be a part of that with us for our prayer walk. Uh, if you live in the high desert, if you can't come be here physically, be there in spirit. Pray for us around that time when we go. And also join us every day as we're praying. We're praying for Victorville. And you can pray for Victorville and your neighborhood. Okay, but be involved in prayer. We want to see our communities change. The only way they can be changed is by receiving Jesus Christ inside their heart as the Lord and Savior. Individuals, they let it spread, and it makes a change within the community. So let's go on and go to the lesson here. I'm going to change it so you can see the lesson more than me. And we have pitfalls of the betrayal. And I have a question. Have you ever, has someone really earned your trust over the years? Or how has somebody earned your trust over the years? And I'm going to answer that. And my wife is here, so since she's done about kids and she's available, I'm going to ask her to uh, to answer that too. How has someone earned your trust over the years? I want to share with one. Uh, I think you'd be okay with me sharing this. I have been working as a church planner on and off for some years. Started in the early 90s and then just recently stopped about five, six years ago. And now we're getting back into the church planning game. But over the years, we had some ups and downs in that. I had some ups and downs. And I didn't really trust a lot of the leaders that were involved because of the experiences I had. Because I was trying to help a certain segment of the pastors. And we'd made some changes. We helped make some changes and help improve the area. But they didn't see it that way. And then also, um, it sort of me because of that. Okay. I was accused of things that weren't necessarily true. So I had to work through that. So it took a while for me to build trust within the leadership of association. Um, <clears throat> the last director of mission we had, he reached out to me when he didn't have to and took me aside. And I'm going to say his name. His name is Don Parker. He took me aside. He gave me information. I wasn't even going to wasn't doing church planning at the time. And I told you, I'm not an active pastor. I'm not doing church planning. Do you still think I should be attending these meetings? Because I was going to stop because I sort of just kept going because I had already been going. And he said, yeah, you keep on going, Harvey. You keep on coming to our meetings, you know, the pastor meetings that they were having. And after I finished doing this other ministry, I I felt God called me back in church planning. But during that time, he always was straight with me. He, the organization I was working with was, was a high desert Christian job corps. He helped me connect with people and just did things that showed me that I could trust him, that he was trustworthy. And he, he, he did his best to make sure, you know, he was upfront and straight, but also make sure we had things that we needed. And, and was an ear for me. I remember one time I called, I just didn't talk with him. He met me down at Starbucks and 
I don't think he really wanted to uh, go that day. And he didn't have to go. He didn't have to go. They still met with me anyhow. And I remember that. And that built trust. I, I said, this guy's a trustworthy guy. And he, he helped me meet some leaders within the community, helped me meet business people to help us out with the project we were working on at the time. And he also uh, made some calls to people within the state convention and stuff to help out. He really gained my trust. Who's that for you? Who's that for you? Maybe honor them by writing a name on there and tell what they did in the comments so that maybe they'll see it. And maybe you can even share that comment back or send that comment back to the person so they know that you you thought of them and that they gained your trust. Who was that person that gained your trust? Your trust is an important thing. It's a very important thing, people. Hi, how are you doing? Let us know you're here. Say hi or something so we know you're here. But who is that person that has gained your trust, that gained your trust over the years? And we're going to go a little bit further down here. Let's switch this over a little bit so you guys can see it. I want you to, our, our message today, God is at work even when it's not obvious. And I want you guys to remember that. This is important for us to remember. And it, God is at work even when it's not obvious. There's times I want to like, God, why did you put me here? What the heck are you doing? And, you know, sometimes it's me looking at my shortcomings. Why would you pick me to be here to do this? Now, I've, you know, you really shouldn't ask that, I guess. But I've asked it, people. I know that we're not supposed to doubt God and stuff. When you, when you look at your situation and some of the struggles are going on, and you look at your shortcomings and stuff, and, or maybe things aren't working right for you, you're like, God, what the heck's going on here? Why do you have me here? You know, not that you're blaming God, but you're like, yeah, in my case, I'm like, you know, are you sure? Did I hear you right? And, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who went through that. I know Paul had a question some things, and, and other people had questions some things. And even though Jesus knew he was doing the right thing, he was like, if there's a way I could, another way I could get through this, Father, has take this cup away from me. But he knew, and the Father's comfort him and get his strength to go in and do the things he had to do to get our salvation because his human side didn't want to go through the struggle he had to go through. Okay? But God is at work even when it's not obvious. So I want to say that, especially to the listeners, the people I know that that listen to this. We have a lot of people going through a hard time. We've had people that have promised you things and it didn't happen. We, we've had people that have let us down. We've let ourselves down. We've had other things that happen. But let me tell you, even though it looks like sometimes things are falling apart, God is still at work. And be encouraged that God still has your back. He's still for you. In Matthew 28, 19, 20, the focus verse for great commission evangelists and ministry along with Acts 1 day. But the end of, uh, in verse 20, Jesus says, I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. All right, all right. Okay, so 
just just remember that God guys remember that let's let's keep let's keep scrolling this down I'm gonna skip some of this you guys can read that for yourself sign up for our ministry grid and you can read that Genesis chapter 37 verse 1 through 5. Jesus lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was, was working with the sons of Bila and Zilpah, his father's wives. Joseph was working with them, and he brought a bad report. To do his father. So basically, these guys were not working right and doing the right work. Right. And also, you got to think about uh, Joseph was about 17 years old, but his brothers were way older than them. They were probably about maybe in their late 20s, maybe in 30s. They were pretty up there. Okay. And Joseph was so wet behind the, the ear kid, and he's snitching on his brothers. He's snitching on his brothers. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of the sons because Joseph was born to him in his old age, and he made a long sleeve robe for him. And when his brothers saw that the father loved him more than the other brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peacefully to him. Then Joseph had a dream and told about his brothers, and they hated him anymore. And the dream was that, I, I hope I'm not going ahead of myself, but the Oh, I didn't. Okay, yeah. the The dream was was about that they seen the stars in heaven. There's a moon and stars, and they all bowed down to him. And they go, "Oh, we're gonna bow down to you." And even Israel said, "You expect your dad to bow down to you?" You know. And so, so Joseph was there. He was pretty arrogant. That that's why they're saying, but he, really, God was just speaking to him. Letting them know what's going to happen in the future. So that caused some problems within the family. This little snot-headed kid thinks he's going to have one up on us. And then on top of that, dad went and bought him that expensive coat. He never did anything that for us when we were kids. Dad never got us anything like that. So also Joseph was, I mean, Jacob was showing favoritism towards Joseph. It caused a lot of sibling rivalry. Now, sometimes we as parents could be guilty of the same thing. And probably you grew up and you had a brother or sister that you maybe didn't get along with too well because you thought they were favorite over the other ones. Have you ever had that? Is there somebody in your family like that? Who's the favorite in your family? Maybe you were the favorite. <laughs> maybe you were the spoiled one, the favorite. Uh, you know, I remember when I was growing up, uh, my dad was trying to be, be uh, hospitable. And he knew that some of the people that came to our house didn't have what we had. And he would just treat them like kings. And I'm looking, I'm like, what's my dad treating those guys? Glad to share my bed. One time I was mowing lawns, and I had to give away one of my lawn accounts. Let this guy cut the lawn and messed up my account. And I think I almost lost that. I did lose that lady's business. I was mad. <laughs> but my dad was just trying to show this guy something better because they had these guys something better because they, they had it so rough from where they came from. And I didn't understand that time when I was young. So to me, I felt they had more favoritism <laughs> than I did. <laughs> but 
the the thing is that that you know um that can cause some problems and we see many families where there was favoritism and it's caused issues sometimes it, it could lead to 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 crimes of passion even so this is what we're seeing develop right here inside Jacob's family with Joseph and his brothers. And we just want to answer that question number two, dysfunctional. Uh, Jacob, Joseph's family was a little bit dysfunctional. And it was a blended family too. So you had the step problem and all that stuff too that goes along with it. And I do want to say something about that. Uh, let's see that. I don't think I even had popped up there. So you guys can see that question. But I have something to say about that too. The parents out there that might be in a blended situation. Our policy and our family, and you can't always show treat everybody the same, but you try to do your best, is that all your children need to be your children. What are the steps? What are the natural? What are their foster? What are their adopted? Even the foster kids, while they're with you, treat them like yours. You know, you know those other parents, let them feel like they're part of the family. If they're adopted, they need to not just be adopted like adopted. They need to be a part of the family. They need to feel that love and care for you too, just as if they were your natural child. And if you do that, it can prevent some of these other things. And you need to assist to all the kids that they're all equal in the family. Okay? That's important to do. So let's go on and keep reading this. They said to one another, look here. Here comes the dreamer, the dream expert. So come on, let's kill him and throw him in the pits because those brothers were really upset when he told on them. He got that, 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 that coat of many colors. And they said, we can say a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll, when he comes, and, and we'll see what becomes his dreams. But when Reuben heard this, Reuben was one of the brothers. He said, no, no, he heard him getting ready to kill him. He said, no, we can't be killing our brother. He tried to save him from them. So he said, let's not take his life. Reuben said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him down the pit in the wilderness. But don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return to his father. But when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his robe of many colors that he had on. They took him and threw him in the pit and the pit was empty without water. So what was happening, the brothers finally found a revenge on Joseph and threw him in the pit. Reuben's like, no, 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 dad will kill me if I let something happen to him. So he said, no, that, that can't happen. So he said, Let's, I can't let him kill him. We're just going to put him there, let the guys cool off, and then I'll go solve the problem later. And he was probably going to sneak him out so he could get home. But he, he went to go run some errand. And when he came back, Joseph was in there. Let's see what happened. And before we do that, let me ask you, what are some harmful consequences to Joseph and anger? And I think the next verse is going to talk about some other things. Uh, 
what happens after they put them in there, they sold Joseph into slavery. Reuben didn't want to kill, so they weren't going to get Reuben mad at them. And they sold Joseph into slavery. They sold him into slavery. So could you imagine your, your brothers and sisters being so mad that they sell you to become a slave? Or even worse, in today's world, it'd be like pimping your brother or your sister out, selling them to human trafficking or something like that. Or selling them like you know when they do, they send kids over uh, from Mexico to come here and they become uh, slaves within a a sweatshop. Could you imagine your family doing something like that? I can't imagine anything like that. What harmful consequences have you emerged? Have you seen emerge from jealousy and anger? I know I've had been guilty. A jealousy and anger, not really jealousy in this case, but more anger. I was, I felt betrayed. And even though now I think I do better, but the worst thing at that time was to betray me. I had someone I had just talked to them about, are you going to be with me in ministry? Are, are we going to be able to count on you this year? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have been helping them out with some things that they needed. And, um, I, I I and I knew they were interested in going to another church. I had no problem with them going to that other church. I knew they wanted to go to that church. They're getting along with that other pastor stuff. So I, and I I had a phone that would stay with me for a year. So and I, that's all I asked. Give me a year and I, the, the year was up. Are you ready to move on? Or are you going to stay with us? So we're here. We we're here. We're here. And then I go to the other church's service and there's he he's over there. And I'm hearing some, the pastors walk there saying that they weren't feeling welcome and stuff at a church and things like that. And I was like, what the heck is that? Why would they say that and say that with me sitting inside a room and embarrassing me like that when I've done everything I can for this family? And this guy, they talk about like he's going to be a part of their ministry, but this guy told me he's going to be staying with us. So I didn't do too well with that. So I made some phone calls to find out some back more background than what I had before. And kind of find out not everything told me was true, but some things weren't quite the way I thought it was. And so I I, I go, well, I got to deal with this. But I was angry. I was very angry. Instead of waiting until I cooled down, I went to go deal with the situation. And I was going to out them out with the other pastor, which I did. And it backfired. It backfired terrible. I should have never did. I should have never went down there angry. Because I lost my temper, I started shouting and things. I messed up the friendship with the person that I was helping, and also the relationship with that pastor. And it, even though I forgave them both, the relationships were never restored. So I personally have had to deal with that, and felt terribly. And I've had to really check myself on that. And fortunately, a few months later, about a year later, I think it was, I went to uh, talk to, go to the director of mission that I told you, well, a different director of mission that I worked for his church. And he was preaching on forgiveness. And God touched my heart. And that year, and this this pastor that we, we had to, to talk to, 
was on the list of those that I had to go and ask for forgiveness for. Even though, you know, because it's not what was, it's not the fact that I felt they were wrong because I, I found out some more information that things weren't done right still. The, the fact that how I reacted was wrong. So I needed to ask for forgiveness. And the other person, we just sort of let it go. We let it go. Uh, he went his way, I went my way, and but we we stay friends. We still contact each other once in a while. But that's what happens. We offer anger. Destructive things happen. Relationships get destroyed. Churches could be turned down. Ministries could be torn down. Marriages could be torn down. People could be hurt and killed. Because of anger and jealousy. Now, I, I this was not necessarily a jealousy situation for me, but it was anger. And then with other people, uh, it could be even worse. But those two things put together is a terrible combination. Look what they, they sold their brother into slavery. We have to check those things. We have to be careful how we react when people betray us. Instead of doing that, we have to be what Jesus said which is hard to do, to turn the other cheek, to pray for those that that terribly use you and disrespect you, to continue to help and pray and love your enemies. Sometimes it's hard to do that, but we got to do that because that's what God calls us to do. And we do that, guess what? You can walk with peace with your head up high, said, I did my best. And then you can walk to God, appear before God and said, I did my best. And he can say, good and faithful servant, enter to your warehouse. You've been faithful for me on a few things. I'm going to put you over many. But we have to be willing to do it the way of Christ, people. We have to be willing to be willing to do it the way of Christ. We can't let anger and jealousy take over. We can't do that. We just can't do that. Jesus said to his brothers, what do we do if we kill him and cover up his blood? Come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and lay hands not and, and not lay a hand on him for our brother, our own flesh. And his, and his brothers agreed. Judah decided to, you know, we can't we can't kill him. Let's sell him. And but God God worked it out later, and we'll we'll, we'll go to later and more boldly that that there was redemption that happened later. Joseph eventually forgave them for what they did, but at what cost for these brothers? I, what I want you to do is you could go to Ministry Grid and look at this page and just work on it yourself. And goes, so I want to encourage you guys go sign up at Ministry Grid. We have 22 openings, and you could get you could get this downloaded, work on it for yourself, okay, on that that page. But uh, God did work there eventually, and we'll read later. Joseph went in prison. He get was put in charge of prison, and then later he was. Well, actually, before that, he was in charge of the house. Some the things bad happened there went for the people he was made to be slave for. And then later, he went to prison. And 
And then while he was in prison, they put him in charge of prison because he was faithful and let God use him. And then later he became second in charge of Egypt. But because he trusted in God and did not betrayal define him and become bitter. And then later he saved his own family, which led later on for Israel to return back to the promised land. What if Joseph wouldn't went through, went through? Maybe they would have stayed in Palestine and all died. Okay? At that time it was called Canaan. They would stay there and all died. But because of the struggles and the pitfalls Joseph went through, he was able to save his family. And we'll talk more about that later. Let's bow our heads and pray. Oh, God, help us not to be consumed by anger and by jealousy. Help us to live the way of your way. Help us as parents to be good parents, too, to not create dysfunction in the family or in, in, in the, as individuals dysfunctions with our friends but live according to your love and your way and have self-control and good perspective so we won't be uh, blowing things up around us because of anger and jealousy, God. And I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys. You have a good day.